everybody, one and all, welcome to yet another very exciting episode of the Friends Talking Fantasy Podcast. My name is Charles, and with me today, as always, is my lifelong friend and co-host, Dylan. I'm ready to talk some fantasy with my friend, Charles. I am ready to talk some fantasy with my friend as well, Dylan, but not just any fantasy today. Oh. That's right, because today we are talking, you know, another first for the show here. We are talking about an independently published book by an independent author. You are correct there, Charles. We're talking about Daughter of Flood and Fury by Levi Jacobs, the uh, Zebulon Award-winning from 2018, oh. Daughter of Flood and Fury. It's a young adult fantasy novel that is uh, by a self-published fantasy blog-off finalist levi jacobs and uh oh. that's a uh, yeah uh, commonly known as the spfbo that's a <laughs> competition run by friend of the show mark lawrence who yes uh, yeah i mean awesome way to spotlight indie authors and that's what we're here to try to do i mean we're <laughs> we're just starting to get to point where Charles and I feel confident that there are people listening that aren't our parents and uh <laughs> Charles's mom listens uh hi uh, yeah, uh, hello to but our parents my mom listens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I don't know if my mom listens but that being said now that we're feeling kind of confident about that we're hoping to try to use our tiny version of a platform to be able to speak out and say things about self-published books that we really enjoy and and this is one of them that's right you know and and this one is a particularly interesting story because i Dylan, this all came about through your conversations over on the twitter sphere right that's how we ran into levi jacobs the author that's that's correct charles so basically you know we send out these sort of social media calls, I'll call them on Twitter mm -hmm. or on Instagram, where you can find us on Twitter at the FDF Podcast One. And we we basically ask, what kind of recommendations do you have for a particular, often popular book series? And we did one for Mistborn Era One by Brandon Sanderson. And mm -hmm. we pretty much gather information from social media folks to expand the books that we end up talking about on the episodes where we do book recommendations for fans of Mistborn or whatever other ones we do, like we've done King Killer Chronicle and stuff too. So a name that came up uh, during this, uh, I believe Calvin Park recommended Levi Jacobs' work citing the Resonance Saga, and that was the one that made the finals of the SPFBO. And then we actually had an email arrive from Levi Jacobs himself. Yes. yes. <laughs> and he gave a recommendation of some of Brent Weeks's work. Uh, and we talked about that in the episode. But he also 
basically said, hey, I've got this book coming out on January 18th, which has probably passed by the time you're hearing this, if Charles, yeah, <laughs> Charles yes. knows all that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and then he's like, if you want an advanced reader copy with which Charles and I are still trying to figure out if it's an ARC or ARC, but I think it's ARC. Yes. And, <laughs> and he basically said, would you like to take a look at it? And receiving high praise from folks like uh, Calvin Park over at Under a Pile of Books and all that. we From an like, author yeah. who's experienced in the Mark Lawrence self-published yes. book-off competition. You know, it's like all these things, all our stars were kind of aligning for this one. So we were more than happy, more than appreciative to take a look at the first book of this. Uh, what's the name of the overall series? here the overall series tide, is... tide collar chronicles yes and yes. The, starting with daughter of flood and fury which is what we're talking about today um how do you want to kick this off i mean i've got the back of the book blurb here we could read that unless you want to jump in and and, and share some thoughts right away well go for the back of the book blurb because it is well written can know yeah <laughs> For those that haven't checked it out yet, so this is um, about Daughter of Flood and Fury. Althea was born a heresy, a girl with a man's magic, in a city where monks and witches are mortal enemies. Training in her powers only under her father's protection, head of the monastery, she shocks everyone by becoming the best seer in generations until her father is murdered. A suicide, they call it, but she knows the truth. He was murdered for his heresy, for her. Now she must make a harrowing choice, disown everything her father stood for to stay alive, or flee the temple and seek to expose his killers, even as they hunt her down. Daughter of Flood and Fury is the gripping first book in the Tidecaller Chronicles. If you like strong female leads, clever magic, and page-turning action, then you'll love Levi Jacobs' epic fantasy adventure. And I think that last part is very well said. I would agree. <laughs> yeah. For sure. So I think that the Sanderson vibes were pretty clear early on. And Levi said to us that he's watched a lot of Sanderson's lectures and stuff like that. And you can tell that the influence is there. One of the things that sticks out pretty early on is this hard magic system uh, that is conveyed really from the first chapter and it's got that kind of feel we've talked on the podcast about uh, the sanderson's laws of magic you, in our mistborn and the art of the magic system episode and uh, one of those laws is about basically the extent to which you as a writer can solve problems using your magic is directly proportional to the extent to which people understand uh, the magic and right. I think that Levi seems to be going the route that Sanderson goes, where the magic is something that you understand well, uh, what it can and can't do as a reader. And Levi then uses it kind of as a tool in the tool set. It's nice to see how the characters use the magic system in clever ways to solve their problems. And, and it feels earned when they do. Right. And also it's the kind of magic system that lends itself towards some pretty interesting action um you know she 
it, it has a lot to do with using water to kind of sense people's thoughts and and communicate with people through thought and this I, all these kind of water metaphors and the way this whole temple is structured and cities are structured yeah. around having water flowing through them is super interesting and depending on how much water is in the setting affects the fights you know so it's super interesting to see how that plays out and then it's the next level up where there's you know uh, male magic and female magic and they kind of become political factions and it's interesting to see how they play off of each other and it's the scheming getting involved with the magic and then there's this overall epic kind of um, mystery surrounding the whole thing so it's all kind of built in this very interesting way and that I would say is perhaps Daughter of Flood and Fury's biggest strength yeah I think that's one of the strongest parts of the novel for sure so i was excited to see all that and as you're talking about charles it's cool to see the way that the world does could i guess uh, adapt to the magic system the way right. that you'd actually expect a world to where sometimes <laughs> you read a world and the magic's in there but you can start kind of noticing like wait if they were able to do this magic thing then why wouldn't the world change in this way and i think levi does a great job of saying well the world would change in all those ways so i'm going to make it have changed in that way so right. really appreciate that and definitely a highlight of this book but right. i think a another highlight f for me charles here were the themes as well i mm -hmm. thought that it was really interesting to see how Levi approaches some of these, and we won't spoil anything. We'll talk right. very broad strokes here. I mean, we're trying, the book has probably just come out by the time you're hearing this, and yeah. we are trying to give you the chance to read it for yourself. So this is not a buddy read episode. Right. Uh, but I was very impressed by how he's able to, it's like subtle at first, but I think start toying with and exploring these ideas of femininity and masculinity and how one can grapple with both parts of oneself and how that's reflected in a larger society. I think when I was first reading it, there's a lot of this like, okay, well, like uh, I'm a girl and it's a patriarchal system and that kind of stuff. And those are always interesting to see in fantasy and we've seen it a lot. So then it becomes, how are you going to, tell us a story that grapples with these kind of things and i was interested to see where that started to go and i think there's still a lot more for levi to do with that theme as we continue to move through what it looks like he intends to be like an eight book series i'm not sure if he's settled on that yet right and to just kind of add on to those themes we know from the the blurb here that right at the beginning of the book her father you know is murdered and they call it a suicide and she's like, um, you know, she's trying to come to terms with that. That obviously makes her relationship with her father very complicated and how, you know, that theme kind of goes through as she's navigating the politics of the temple and her own interpersonal navigating. relationships. Navigating. Nice. Yes. Yeah, so Nailed it's, it. yeah, thank you. And that is just another layer that, um, adds a really nice personal touch to the characters Dylan which is super important in this series I think one of the highlights for me 
is you know the relationship you know we find care she gets all buddy buddy with um i don't want to give away too much here but she does end up meeting people along the way and developing these really meaningful relationships do you think it's spoilerly to go into it should i mention these well, characters or? <laughs> yeah well charles i don't think it's spoilery to just say that there are other characters like gaxna is one yes of the that's who i was characters. dancing around yeah that's who i'm figuring i think the relationship between alethia and gaxna is a core part of this book and you expect it's okay for i think anyway to just say that there's a well-developed relationship there that is fun to read about their exchanges are interesting because they come from very different backgrounds and they're both dealing with some uh, like trust issues and stuff like that and i think that actually gaxna kind of gave me some like, like clara vibes from uh, I don't know if that came up for you at all, Charles. A I more did get down. some Clara vibes. There's definitely some roguish qualities to Gatsna, yes. but it's in an interesting. It, it's in it's done in an interesting way. You know, she has a very unique backstory, and and um, her kind of emotional alignments, her sentimentality, juxtaposed against her like. Like, you know, learning like the school of hard knocks kind of idea of being a thief and thing, a roguelike character. It, right. It's super interesting. And then compare that to like meeting the our main character, main character here, Alethia. Alethia, meeting her, who is just born and raised in the temple and has no experience, you know, um, has, none, has none of that like worldly experience that Gaxna has. It, 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 it pairs together really well. For sure. And I think. If we're going to talk character, definitely want to give Thea a chance to shine here. And I I was thinking, Charles, she does fit sort of in that Vin to Rin continuum that we've yeah. talked about before. Yeah. Uh, Vin yeah. from the... Yeah. So that's uh, our little theory here about some of these uh, like strong, powerful teenage female protagonists as you can place them almost along a continuum and how uh, probably the best way to think about it is like how dark are they or what can we expect we're in for with that kind of thing uh, and you know lots of strong characters all across the continuum sure. and one of them is Vin from Mistborn by Brandon Sanderson mm -hmm. all the way on the other side Rin is from the Poppy War trilogy and I think that there's a character you know it's a young adult book which I, I think we've maybe we haven't mentioned but I do think you we mentioned it have okay um so it's a young adult book and uh, I would say the protagonist fittingly feels more along the lines of the Vin side of that you know she's yes. strong you learn very early on as soon as the first chapter that she is extremely competent and she has some of those like issues with trust that you see from Vin from Vin, from Mistborn. So those kind of elements came up for me a right. lot. And there's some fun... I, I think that... I don't want to get into sp uh, spoilers. So I'll just say some things that reminded me of Vin. Yes. And I also say 
what else she also reminded me of Vin because of how clever she is in like she can take down foes that are maybe physically stronger, but she's clever about how she uses the magic system in right. combat. Exactly like Vin would. Like the reason Vin wins fights is not from overpowering her foes, it's from coming up with some clever, creative way to um, either trick the foe or flip the magic system on its head or whatever. And, and, and I see a lot of that in, in Thea as well, uh, of her ability, her her understanding of the magic system in this world of being a seer uh, gets her pretty far in combat. And that's, you know, when we were talking about the combat and it being Sanderson-esque, it all kind of pairs together. So yeah, on the continuum, definitely close to the, to the Vin side for sure. Um, yeah yeah so that's why go for it (laughs) (laughs) that's why i think that the book recommendations for sanderson bit that uh, calvin park brought levi jacobs name up and i think makes a lot of sense and i think yes fans of vin are going to definitely have a good time here for sure I think so. Fans of Vin, fans of Mistborn, that kind of bit. Those are the folks I would start recommending this. I think it's interesting. The book, Charles, is very focused. It's a, Compared to most of what we read on here, it's a relatively short uh, book, and it doesn't expand out anywhere to, to near to the extent of something like Mistborn. It's very mm-hmm. character-focused on one particular character's journey. It's in the first person. It's actually in present tense, which I think is more common among young adult. We don't read a ton of young adult on the podcast here, mm-hmm. but I think like Hunger Games was first, per, or sorry, present tense uh, as well. If mm, I'm I don't remember. Remembering correctly. But either way, that I think was something that for me was a, a little bit jarring at first was reading in the first in, sorry, not in the first person uh, reading in present tense was the jarring part. Reading in first person is uh, I think yeah. pretty standard uh, for what we read. Things like King Killer Chronicle and stuff are, well, that's complicated, but you know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, <laughs> the frame story, yeah. but all, all that being said, uh, yeah, the present tense thing found it a little bit jarring at first, but once I got going, I definitely stopped noticing that as much. And it's interesting to see it bring a little bit more of an immediacy to the things that are happening. Charles, where it's like, oh, wow, like this fight is going on right now. Yes, it it brings it like the it opens in a pretty intense way. Like when she's just like, I'm stronger than them. That's their mistake. I'm I'm this. I'm that. I grab the shaft. I like hit him in the face. Yeah. You know, it's like <laughs> it gives it a very violent, intense, and also fast pacing feel to it right off the bat. Like she's tr- she's like sparring uh, at the beginning of this of this book, and right away you're like get a sense of this writing style of like it starts kind of like you know. Um, pretty intense she's very determined very focused very almost aggressive when she's fighting and that continues uh throughout the story like you said it's short amazon has it listed at uh 205 pages so it's a relatively quick read and the pacing of it is is quick as well and i found that to be um actually quite enjoyable i felt like we were moving along at a really nice pace and this whole thing is around this idea of like like the blurb says it's like do i 
disown everything my father stood for to stay alive or flee and seek to expose the killers. I'm being hunted, all these things. So there's all this political intrigue going on, politics going on. And there's almost like this mystery of like, what? What's all this with a, about her father and her being a heresy and all these other, like, was he murdered? Was it a suicide? So that's kind of the driving force of this book, the driving mystery and the fast pacing, the action that we get along with it. And the fact that it it's a quick moving book as well as right. just made it a really fun read. Yeah. I think the pacing has it moving along pretty quick, right? Like every chapter, something's happening. We're getting more, we're either getting more answers or getting closer to answers. And I, I cruised through it. I actually yeah. found one. Yeah. Once you get going with this, you do find yourself wanting to know all the answers. It does have those mystery elements that Charles was just talking about. And uh, you will get a lot of those answers for sure. I do want to give a heads up to our listeners that, like I mentioned, this is going to be a, a long series. Uh, and it, I think it did say at the back of the book it was eight that he was thinking of going for eight total books in mm-hmm. this chronicle here so i do i give a heads up that you're going to want well, to know you like not it's not a standalone resolved. <laughs> yeah not everything like not to the point where you're going to be like we didn't get any conclusions, any things. You get a lot of answers, but you have to know that when someone is going to write a really long series, that there are going to be some things still left open. Won't say what things are left open, what things aren't, but we've got a long way to go, and I'm excited to see where uh, the rest of this journey ends up taking us. I'm excited as well, you know, as tight to uh, as tight to Thea's perspective as we were throughout this book and as quick of a pace as we were moving, trying to find answers. Um, there is a world that Levi's building in the background, yes. and it's super interesting to see how all that kind of is getting built up as we go through the action of Thea looking for answers, right? So like it is one of eight and you do get that sense of like, there is a bigger world going on, but that in no means takes away from the present action that we're, that we're experiencing in the story. So there's something for everybody in there. And uh, I'm curious to see how this world kind of opens up as, as uh, the tide collar chronicles expands in the future. (laughs) I feel the same way, Charles. I, I got the sense that we were just getting the tip of the iceberg here. <laughs> dipping our toes in the water, if you will. Just dipping our toes <laughs> in the water. Nailed it, Charles. And <laughs> I was feeling as though a lot of, I don't know if hint is the right way to describe it. it there's a lot of stuff where you can see there. There's a lot of room for us to expand to other locations, to bigger pictures. I have to think we're going to get even more epic as this series continues. So that's something that has me super pumped. Yes, I agree. And, you know, much like we saw with Sanderson's magic system, where it expands on top of itself and that only just makes it more interesting i think i have a feeling we're going to get a lot of that in this series as well you know you're introduced to this idea of being a seer right away and it's action-packed and it's got a lot of moving pieces to it 
and I'm interested to see how the layers kind of stack on themselves and this magic system grows as the universe expands as we're reading it. So I think, you know, what we've seen so far, Levi has proven that it's, you know, he's, he's has plans for all kinds of fun ways for these, for this magic system to grow and interlock and expand. Well said, Charles. I mean, a big thing that Sanderson focuses on that you can tell has, or at least seems to have influenced Levi. I don't want to speak for him whether or not uh, (laughs) this has, but we do know he draws a lot from Sanderson and his work and his teachings really is expand on what you have already before you add something new. That's Mm -hmm. Sanderson's third law. And I think of it as depth over breadth. Mm -hmm. And you can tell that with the world building aspects that we've talked about where the whole all the settings that Levi is providing for you have the way the magic system works and how it changes the world weaved into it. And uh, that's a big uh, depth over breadth because there's so much we can see just with what he's given us with this magic system. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that I'm excited like you, Charles, to see how he continues to dig even deeper into those depths uh maybe it's the deep depths of the ocean (laughs) yes yes exactly i i think you know it's interesting to when you finish the book and you read the acknowledgments and he said multiple times like i this is going to be a big series guys so it's like oh i can so as an experienced fantasy reader you can see it's like we're getting this really tight present tense first person one character focused story and we're learning everything we need to learn with the promise of more stories so i do think he's taken that third law into heart of like let's get this depth going and let's see like how far we can push this this idea of being a seer and what that means and how it affects politics and the setting around you and and it's you know, th- this book certainly delivers on that. And then also it kind of opens up this idea of having a larger series. It, it kind of opens it up to so much potential. Yeah. So I'm super excited to continue with yep. this. I do want to figure out, I got some researching due to figure out if uh, Levi spoken much about his plans for when we can expect the this book to continue. And I'm sure we'll be back and talking about the next one and i think you can also head over to under a pile of books if you want to hear a great interview from calvin park with levi jacobs Mm -hmm. uh that you'll hear more about this that it was a while back so it won't be talking much about daughter flood and fury but talking about levi's past work and also talking about him and who knows maybe uh charles yeah even you and i might have to reach out and see if Levi would be open to chatting with us. Yeah, absolutely. Always welcome with plenty of questions to ask him. I think we would need to do like a spoiler episode or like have the back half be spoiler because there's so much I want to get into this plot about with him. So uh, we'll we'll see whatever he's game for. Uh, I will also say, you know, my experience with like self-published authors is very limited. I went in pretty inexperienced to the like self-published world. I didn't quite know what I was getting into and it's, you know, it was a lot of fun. It's so cool to have, 
a communication with the author, the author being like, hey, here's my story. We get to, you know, talk with them a little bit before we read it. And being part of this community has been a lot of fun. And uh, the series, uh, Daughter of Flood and Fury, has certainly lived up to that. So uh, just a fun read. Really appreciative for Levi for thinking of us and reaching out and providing us that art copy. And we look forward to reading more. Couldn't have said it better myself, Charles. All right. Are we ready for that sweet, sweet outro music? Get that sweet, sweet outro music pumping over here. All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening to yet another very exciting episode of the Friends Talking Fantasy Podcast. If you want to talk Daughter of Flood and Fury with us or any shoot some more indie authors our way for this spotlight series that we're thinking of starting, let us know. Twitter's a great way to reach out to us, and that's at the FTF Podcast with a number one at the end. Uh, Facebook and Instagram are also pretty good options, and that's at the FTF podcast you can email us directly imagine that emailing dylan and charles directly through the fdf podcast at gmail.com that option is available to you and let's say dylan that i'm someone who's listening i really enjoy the show i want to show my support in a way that's free but also super helpful and let's say i'm listening on i don't know Let's just say Apple Podcasts on my iPhone. Uh, what can I do? Well, if you're Charles's wonderful mom, Rosemary, then <laughs> you can just shoot a text Charles's your way. But if you are someone who's not Charles's wonderful mom, Rosemary, then you can <laughs> toss five stars to our podcast. Just scroll down on that Apple Podcast page, find those stars, click five of them, write a review if you have time. That's right. That's super, super helpful. But you know what? Just making it to the end of the episode is more than enough. Thank you all so much for listening. And as always, go forth and conquer, friends.